0: CHAPTER THREE OF BOOK FIVE OF LES MISERABLES, VOLUME TWO, BY VICTOR HUGO. THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING. ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. FOR MORE INFORMATION, OR TO VOLUNTEER, PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG. RECORDING BY JAMES CROOK. LES MISERABLES, VOLUME TWO, BY VICTOR HUGO. TRANSLATED BY Isabel F. HAPGOOD. BOOK FIFTH. THE DESCENT. CHAPTER Three, TO WIT, THE PLAN OF PARIS, IN 1727. Three hundred paces further on, he arrived at a point where the street forked. It separated into two streets, which ran in a slanting line, one to the right and the other to the left. Jean Valjean had before him what resembled the two branches of a Y. Which should he choose? He did not hesitate, but took the one on the right. Why? Because that to the left ran towards a suburb, that is to say, towards inhabited regions, and the right branch towards the open country, that is to say, towards deserted regions. However, they no longer walked very fast. Cosette's pace retarded Jean Valjean's. He took her up and carried her again cosette laid her head on the shoulder of the good man and said not a word he turned round from time to time and looked behind him he took care to keep always on the dark side of the street the street was straight in his rear the first two or three times that he turned round he saw nothing the silence was profound and he continued his march somewhat reassured all at once on turning round he thought he perceived in the portion of the street which he had just passed through far off in the obscurity something which was moving he rushed forward precipitately rather than walked hoping to find some side street to make his escape through it and thus to break his scent once more he arrived at a wall This wall, however, did not absolutely prevent further progress. It was a wall which bordered a transverse street, in which the one he had taken ended. Here again he was obliged to come to a decision. Should he go to the right or to the left? He glanced to the right. The fragmentary lane was prolonged between buildings which were either sheds or barns, then ended at a blind alley. The extremity of the cul-de-sac was distinctly visible a lofty white wall. He glanced to the left. On that side the lane was open, and about two hundred paces further on ran into a street of which it was the affluent. On that side lay safety. At the moment when Jean Valjean was meditating a turn to the left, in an effort to reach the street which he saw at the end of the lane, he perceived a sort of motionless, black statue, at the corner of the lane and the street towards which he was on the point of directing his steps. It was someone, a man, who had evidently just been posted there, and who was barring the passage and waiting. Jean Valjean recoiled. The point of Paris where Jean Valjean found himself, situated between the Faubourg, saint Antoine and La Repie, is one of those which recent improvements have transformed from top to bottom resulting in disfigurement according to some and in a transfiguration according to others the market gardens the timber yards and the old buildings have been effaced today there are brand new wide streets arenas circuses hippodromes railway stations and a prison matzas there progress as the reader sees with its antidote Half a century ago in that ordinary popular tongue which is all compounded of traditions which persists in calling the institut les quatre nations and the opera comique fait Dieu, the precise spot whither jean valjean had arrived was called le petit Picpu the porte saint jacques the porte paris the barriere de sergents the pocherons la Galliot, la celestine Les Capuchin, Le merle la Beube, La Abre de cracovie la petite polonne these are the names of old paris which survive amid the new the memory of the populace hovers over these relics of the past La Petite Picpus, which, moreover, hardly ever had any existence, and never was more than the outline of a quarter, had nearly the monkish aspect of a Spanish town. The roads were not much paved, the streets were not much built up, with the exception of the two or three streets of which we shall presently speak, all was wall and solitude there. Not a shop, not a vehicle, hardly a candle lighted here and there in the windows. All lights extinguished after ten o'clock. Gardens, convents, timber yards, marshes, occasional lowly dwellings, and great walls as high as the houses. Such was this quarter in the last century. The revolution snubbed it soundly. The republican government demolished and cut through it. Rubbish shoots were established there. Thirty years ago this quarter was disappearing under the erasing process of new buildings. Today it has been utterly blotted out. The petite Picpou, of which no existing plan has preserved a trace, is indicated with sufficient clearness in the plan of 1727. Published at Paris by Denis Thierry, Rue Saint-Jacques, opposite the Rue de Platre at Lyon's, by Jean-Girin, Rue Mercier, at the sign of prudence. Petite Pigpu had, as we have just mentioned, a Y of streets, formed by the Rue Chemin vert Saint-Antoine, which spread out in two branches, taking on the left the name of Little Pigpu Street, and on the right the name of the Rue Palantieu. The two limbs of the Y were connected at the apex as by a bar. This bar was called Rue Drômeur, the Rue Poulenture ended there, the Rue petit big Poo passed on, and ascended towards the Lenoir market. A person, coming from the scene, reached the extremity of the Rue Poulenture, and on his right the Rue Drômeur, turning abruptly at a right angle, in front of him the wall of that street, and on his right a truncated prolongation of the Rue Drômeur, which had no issue and was called the de sac genrot It was here that Jean Valjean stood. As we have just said, on catching sight of that black silhouette standing on guard at the angle of the Rue Drômeur and the Rue petite pique he recoiled. There could be no doubt of it. That phantom was lying in wait for him. What was he to do? The time for retreating was past. That which he had perceived in movement an instant before, in the distant darkness, was Javert and his squad without a doubt. Javert was probably already at the commencement of the street, at whose end Jean Valjean stood. Javert, to all appearances, was acquainted with this little labyrinth, and had taken his precautions by sending one of his men to guard the exit. These surmises, which so closely resembled proofs, whirled suddenly, like a handful of dust caught up by an unexpected gust of wind. Through Jean Valjean's mournful brain, he examined the cul-de-sac genrot. There he was cut off. He examined the rue petit Picpo There stood a sentinel. He saw that black form standing out in relief against the white pavement, illuminated by the moon. To advance was to fall into this man's hands, to retreat, was to fling himself into Javert's arms. Jean Valjean felt himself caught, as in a net which was slowly contracting. He gazed heavenward in despair. End of Book 5 Chapter 3 Recording by James Crook Ocean Grove, Victoria, Australia